Hey everybody, welcome back. This is a first for the for the podcast that you're actually in our office. People can actually see our office now, which you know we don't get to see a whole lot either. Because My lonely desk behind out and about, and yes, your vacant desk over there, Daniel on the side, but he might he might get cut out. So well, there he is. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Everything is moving. We're busy. So today we're going to talk about post-war buildings and post, no, no building in particular, but kind of the typical things that we see with post-wars. So I'll jump in. So in New York City, we define different buildings, particularly uptown or anywhere in Manhattan, pre-war buildings or post-war buildings. So we've already talked about pre-war buildings, and today we're going to discuss post-war. So I guess yeah. the first question that I would ask you is, what defines a post-war building? What are we talking about? Yeah, so in New York City, we're talking about post-World War II, so the mid-40s, basically. We didn't see a lot of developments right around the wartime because of obvious reasons, but uh, so usually you see buildings reopening or developments reopening or new rental buildings around 1950. So generally speaking, there was a big boom between 1950s and 1960s, but anything post that World War II is, is really what we're referring to. And what would you say would be indicative of post-war buildings? Well, there's a number of things that when you think of post-war buildings sort of jump out. Um, there's the, the lack of like the classic layouts. So the classic floor plans that had staff rooms and such kind of went by the wayside. So you had more utilitarian buildings is one way that I would coin them. They're, uh, more cookie cutter style buildings. So you have, you know, a 40 story building, 40 A-line units. Um, whereas the pre-war is, you know, just technology at, at the time and construction at the time in the early 1900s, there were limitations. They didn't go, they couldn't go as high because they didn't have the same uh, building materials that they had post-war. Um, so there was a, an engineering change, engineering difference. And the, there was also, it became too expensive to make these beautiful beautiful facade buildings, you know, with the ornate details and such. Um, so that is, so it just became, uh, many times came down to a, a function of cost. Um, so cookie cutter, less classic layouts with staff rooms, et cetera, lower ceiling. So that's a big one post-war versus uh, pre-war. The pre-wars typically had nine foot at minimum ceiling heights. Um, Whereas a typical post-war is somewhere between eight and eight and a half. Even seven and a half foot ceilings in some post-war buildings. Seven and a half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or seven foot nine, seven foot eight, right below eight yeah, feet. Yeah, just under eight feet, yeah. So uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. How about uh, facades? You had white brick buildings that were not around in pre-war times, so white brick facades. I think just to add on to what you're saying... Um, and most, a lot of them are white brick, but just, I think brick in general defined the post-war era. What I would ask you is where are most of the post-war buildings, and I'm spe specifically talking about Upper East and Upper West sides, would you say? Well, a lot, the first 
the, a lot more pre-war is concentrated near the park. And as you built out east and west away from the park, we saw more, more so on the east side, I would say, than the west side. Um, uh, you saw a lot more of these post-wars popping up. I don't know what the percentage of it is, but in terms of post-war versus pre-war, but it's got to be uh, easily half the buildings, you know, I'm certain, I'm certain probably more than that. Um, and certainly when you look at unit mix, um, because the post-wars had so many more no total number of units within, within them, it's certainly a much larger portion of our overall inventory. But balconies, balconies were not a thing in the pre-war. They always had terraces. And we've talked about the difference between them. The terraces when the building actually wedding cakes in as it goes up and, the, and then an outdoor space directly over uh, an apartment below, you saw all these post-wars popping up with balconies, one over another, you know, five by eight, five by 10 balconies or smaller. As well as amenities. And the post-war era led into this idea that the newer buildings should catered to modern day living or more modern day living. You'd have grander lobbies or not necessarily grander than the pre-wars, but there was a focus in on the lobbies, but then also, as you're saying, balconies. The buildings, some of the buildings were created with really pretty roof decks that allowed residents to go up to the roof decks, as well as pre-war buildings never had central air conditioning or any kind of a central system for their heating. And well, there was, I'm sorry, steam heat, but in terms of air conditioning, modern, more modern buildings had more modern conveniences in them. Garages, swimming pools. The architecture of post-war buildings is very different than the architecture of pre-war buildings. Some people only would like to live in a pre-war building, but then the flip side of that is, Many people, though they like the charm of the pre-war, they gravitate towards more modern buildings. Well, and now we've had a new developments that have tried to emulate the, the pre-war looks with the nicer, ornate facades, pretty facades. The, the stone, the limestone. Stonework. And, and, you know, it's really like Robert Stern does a lot of those. And they're sprinkled throughout that really look beautiful. And it it's... You know, some of these post-wars are just not that attractive of buildings. I think that we can really say that, um, as you were talking, the, the post-war buildings are far more efficient with space, as you were saying. So uh, living dining combinations, galley kitchens, where uh, people don't, most people are not dining formally these days, or they open their kitchen to their dining area. So post-war buildings maximized efficiency within the context of space. Yeah, and you have, you, you just simply look at room sizes. The room sizes in a pre-war are going to be much larger typically than the post-war. So post-wars, you typically have a 12-foot, 11 or 12-foot wide living room or dining room, uh, whereas the pre-wars would be 13, 14, even as much as 16 feet and larger. Um, so it, it certainly made for, okay, well, if you don't have that wide of a living room and you don't have a staff room, you can squeeze in another bedroom. In New York City, 
real estate language, we would not, I repeat, would not call new development post-war buildings. It's just the post-war era was a specific era, a period of time. Yeah. It's much yeah. like when you say an art deco building, even though it's, it's, it's more of a uh, classification of architecture, that's kind of how agents view, oh, it's a post-war building. It's, you know, so you're right. It's, I'd never thought of that, but it, it certainly is the case. It's not a, it's more of a descriptive term as opposed to uh, delineation of during this time period, they happen to coincide, but brokers use it or agents use it more as, okay, so it's like a white facade, lower ceilings, you know, a little bit smaller rooms, blah, blah, blah. Um, but and now I think we need to coin a new phrase for the new developments, because now we have new developments that were developed in like 2002. So we need to maybe post millennium or something like we need to, I think there's time, it's time for a new, so we're going to think about that. We're going to think about that preferred nomenclature, and I'm going to start spreading the word as will you, and let's see if we can get it to catch on. So there's nothing innately wrong with post-wars. Plenty of, as you said, as you mentioned, plenty of beautiful post-wars out there and, uh, and always going to be a part of our life. And we want nothing more than to show the post-war buildings. If something is of interest to uh, buyers, come and give us a call, right? Listen, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great week, everybody. Be healthy, safe, and most of all, remain in gratitude. We will see you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks for watching or listening to the Gustaska Conlon Team podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, gustaskaconlonteam.com, or you can find us on all social media with the handle at gustaskaconlonteam. If this show was helpful, entertaining, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.